Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Let's all stand up wherever you're at. Welcome, uh, guys in Green Bay, Appleton, Stevens Point, those of you joining us online. Even if you're at home, let's all stand up. Let's all say this together. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning uh, to all of our campuses. Great to have you with us. If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Bob, one of the pastors at the church. Great to have everyone with us today. Hope it's been a meaningful service so far. Uh, Pastor Mark, he is still out traveling. He's been uh, doing this tropical series. He's been out doing Laugh Your Way events and doing a wedding for somebody. So he's been in Florida. He's been in Hawaii. We'll find out where's Waldo here this morning in just a moment, or Pastor Mark, that is, and uh, he'll be bringing the message in just a moment. But today is Mission Sunday, and at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to give into missions. we got some great things happening at Celebration Church. We want to give you an update with where we're at, if you can put up the slide. Uh, Year-to-date, you can see that we are at $131,178 given so far in 2016. Uh, That's awesome. It's way up over last year at $103,000. We've been kind of moving at a pace to almost double it. We're not at that pace right now, but we would love to see us continue to increase what we're doing with missions. This is an opportunity to give above and beyond your regular giving to make an impact around the globe. And we've got some incredible things happening here at Celebration Church. One of them is uh, we've got a missions team that is going to Myanmar. We take off this Thursday. I'm a part of that team. My son Dylan is going with me. He's 10 years old. And we've supported an orphanage there since 1995. It's got 200 orphans, uh, 80 Bible college students, and a network that reaches over 500 that we make possible here at Celebration Church with our missions giving. As a result of the increase of what we've done, we are building a medical clinic there. And this trip for the first time, includes a medical team. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be able to provide great health care for these kids. Uh, Ongoing trips uh, will include doctors, nurses, dentists, all these different things. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to expand the impact we're having in that area. We've got a video we want to show you about that, and our team can come forward as well. Hi, Celebration. My name is Peter Tang, and the one uh, who work in Myanmar with 11 network orphanages with uh, more than 500 orphans in our network. Now we are praying to build our own medical clinic in our campus so they can come and grab their medicine, which 
we would store in the medical clinic that we are going to build and uh, the children will have more healthy in the years. The team, you can bring eye doctors, dentists to check our children up. Not only for the children and the orphans, even we can reach our neighbors and bring them in here to our campus and check their health and present Jesus Christ to their lives. This is so important for our ministry right now. Thank you so much. God bless you. And be sure, make sure you continue to pray and support for Myanmar, especially our country. Thank you so much. God bless you. Our team, we take off Thursday. We'll be flying from Chicago to Hong Kong all the way around the globe. We'll wave at Santa for everyone. Hope you've been good. And Pastor Lathan wants to pray for our team that's taken off here this morning. Would you reach out your hand towards the team here this morning? If you're joining us at the campuses as well, reach out your hand towards the screen there. Let's pray for these, these folk. Father, we thank you for the team that is preparing to go on this Thursday to minister to these folk in Myanmar. Your word talks about how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. And Father, my prayer that you would anoint each one of these each team member, as they go forth and give the good news, that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ will touch lives for eternity. Your word also declares, Jesus, you even said those words, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, restore sight. Freely you have received, freely give. So Father, my prayer that again, these team members, as they go, that they would give of their lives as they are laying down their lives for these days in Myanmar, helping the folk at the orphanage in the Bible school, help with medical. Father, we just pray for your anointing to be upon them. Use them mightily as they shake hands, as they smile, as they hug, as they play with children, as they treat sicknesses. God, that your anointing would be upon them in a very powerful way. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for it in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus who provided that good news for us to share. Amen and amen. Amen. If all you guys could step forward into the light so everyone can see you at our campuses, and we want to bring uh, everyone to stand up uh, wherever you're at, in Stevens Point, Green Bay, online, Appleton. We want to pray for Pastor Lathan this morning. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but uh, Pastor Lathan's going to have a pretty significant surgery on his heart on Wednesday. Uh, he'll be going to Mayo Clinic uh, and he'll be, it's a big one. So he's going to be recovering for a little while, a couple days in the ICU, four weeks to recover. Uh, but he's pretty tough. He's my father-in-law, so I know that. And, uh, and he'll recover well. I'd imagine he's going to get some golfing before the end of the year even. So we were praying for him this morning. We want to trust God that uh, this goes well. I want to just share a quick verse in the book of James. It says this, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the church together and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And it says, pray for one another. The Bible says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We believe that prayer works. God has called us into his plan for eternity, and he's called us to pray. So we want to all join together and trust God for a great 
uh, outcome with Pastor Lathan's surgery. Uh, Lynn and Dana, if you guys want to come up too, we'll pray for Pastor Lathan here this morning. Let's all join together. If we can just bow our head and close, close your eyes. Let's all join together wherever you are at. Father God, we, uh, we, just, we anoint Lathan with oil right now, God, and we pray for him. Lord, we pray for your hand to be on his life. We pray for a complete recovery. We pray that he walks out of this stronger than he walked in. Lord, we thank you for your word that says the prayer of righteous people is powerful. It's also effective. So God, we join right now and we call out to you and we ask for you to move in his life and we pray for a great surgery, a great outcome. And Lord, we thank you for your word. In the Psalms, we hear about this idea of that there is the sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation, all of the universe, and we look at it, and as great and as grand as it is, the psalmist reflects on that and says, wow, God, in the middle of all of that, you're mindful of the individual. You're mindful of me. And this morning, God, you've got Lathan on your heart, and we can call out, and we thank you that you answer prayer and move in his life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's all join up with Pastor Mark. Good morning, Celebration Church, and greetings from the Pacific Coast. Dev and I, for the last three weeks, have been traveling all over Kingdom Come, playing our own version of Where's Waldo? Where's Pastor Mark and Debbie? First week, we were in Florida. Uh, last week, we were in Hawaii. Today, now, we are on the uh, Pacific Coast here in uh, Southern California, next, just outside of Camarillo, California, where we just had an event uh, this last weekend, Friday and Saturday. As we wrap up our meeting, we'll be flying back to Green Bay this afternoon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> It'll be good to be back to Wisconsin. Of course, the scenery's been beautiful. Some people have been a little jealous and say, oh man, you get to see all this beautiful scenery. But seriously, if you take away the ocean and the palm trees and the beaches and the mountains, it looks just like Wisconsin. <laughs> anyway, we're looking forward to coming home. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. I know y'all were just praying for Pastor Lathan. We want to continue to remember him in prayer as he has this very serious surgery this week. Okay, keep him in mind. Uh, we're not talking, you know, removing a uh, molar here. <laughs> Open heart surgery is a pretty big deal, but we serve a wonderful God and, uh, who can always intervene for us, and he answers prayers. We pray because we believe it makes a difference. And, uh, you know, every time I look at my redhead over there, hi, redhead, you know, constantly reminded of God's ability to turn any situation around. So uh, keep Pastor Lathan in your prayers. We are continuing our series on uh, the Apostles' Creed, because <clears throat> this is what lays out who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. Uh, and of course, we started out explaining there's a difference between what we think and what we believe. A lot of churches, everything they think is what they believe, and they get very intense and, uh, you, know, you know, doctrinal about everything, and if everybody doesn't think exactly the same way about everything, you know, it all falls apart. And we don't think in those terms. Uh, there's lots of things Christians think about, you know, uh, doctrinal issues, and people of good hearts and just of differing in opinions. We don't have any problem with that. Uh, that's why our statement of faith, if you go to a lot of websites, church websites, you say, what do we believe? They give this huge long list, and they take a hard stand on every conceivable thought. 
Uh, you go to our website, what do we believe? You're going to see the Apostles' Creed. This is it. This is the fun, not that, not that we don't have opinions about other things. We all have opinions about things. I'll often tell you what I think. But I'm pretty careful to always say, look, this is what I think. And uh, hopefully I'll get you to think like me. But that, that, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there's a difference between what we think and what we believe. The Creed really spells out what we believe. Now, the Apostles' Creed, as I said last week, was never written by the Apostles, despite the name. It's based on the teaching of the Apostles. All right? So, uh, in the first week, we did the first part where it says, We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. And here's a good example of the difference between what we think and what we believe. Uh, because when it comes to creation, people think different things. I tend to uh, take the uh, account in Genesis uh, literally. Uh, others think it wasn't six days, it was six eons. I mean, well, whatever. I mean, it's, this is the think category. No matter how you think this happened, we don't have a problem with any of it as long as you concede that God did it. How he did it? I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> I've been pretty clear in telling you what I think. But it doesn't matter what we think, you know. I mean, the bottom line is, as long as we acknowledge God did it. Now, someone says, look, I think God created the earth, and the way he did it was through an evolutionary process. Fine. All right? We're not going to have a problem with that, as long as there's the acknowledgement that God did it. Uh, in the second week, we talked about the next phrase, we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Three things here. First of all, we talked about the Father, and now we talk about the Son. This is where we introduce the idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God with three different manifestations. How is that possible? Easy. We see it every day in nature, just in water. Water is made up of H2O. There's water, ice, steam. Three completely, totally different shapes, yet always only one thing. It's always H2O. So, yes, can such a thing happen? Well, you, we see it every day. Okay? Uh, and we talk about Jesus Christ being our Lord. He calls the shots. What he says goes. That's how you really know you're getting this, is when he has control. Bottom line, final say in your life about how you act and uh, how you live your life. Uh, and then last week we talked about uh, how it says, who, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Now, the reason they inserted the under Pontius Pilate is uh, because, again, this started 2,000 years ago. This was the record of the day. It's an absolute uh, documented fact. Everybody knew who Pontius Pilate was. It was part of the Roman record. Anyone who doubted, ah, oh, there was no Jesus. He never lived. All they got to do is go look at the record. It was an absolute fact. Now, we don't reference Pontius Pilate in any kind of real serious facts today because we have different historical references and we go online and check things out. But back in the day, that was their version of, hey, this really happened. Uh, it's a fact. So that's why Pontius Pilate is mentioned. We don't really care about Pontius Pilate. We certainly don't believe in Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate isn't in the same category, I mean, as Jesus or any of this other stuff. Uh, he was just a Roman uh, ruler who was responsible there in the record, uh, when, who tried Jesus, uh, found him, uh, he said, to be guiltless, but nonetheless caved to the people's pressure, ordered him to be crucified. And then we know that he was uh, crucified, died, and was buried. Why? For us and for our salvation. Okay, now this next part. Uh, we want to talk about this week. The next phrase, it says, he descended to the dead. Now, what does that mean? All right? Why would Jesus descend to the dead? Well, we know that his body was put into the tomb. 
but that's just your body. Once your body is, is uh, laid to rest, your spirit has to go somewhere. Um, and Jesus' spirit said, so well, why didn't he just go straight to the Father? Well, the first thing he does is he descends to the realm of the dead. Why? Now, let me give you the mini version, as simplistic as I can. And this, uh, some of this absolutely falls into the what we think category because you kind of get these conclusions by jumping around and looking at very vers various verses in the Bible. But uh, Jesus, as best as we can tell, when he died, he went down to the realm of the dead and took away from Satan the keys of hell and death. In fact, we read about uh, in Revelation, when John had a vision of Jesus, the last book of the Bible, Jesus says, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. Okay, he's the conqueror who went down and took this. Now, I said, why would Satan have the keys of hell and death in the first place? This all has to do with the fall of man, something a lot of people don't understand. When mankind turned away from God and rebelled against God, wanted to do his own thing, I want to check out that tree, I want to be like God, I want to be my... It wasn't just mankind acting on his own and just rebelling on his own and, you know, turning his back on God. In the fall, there was a change of allegiance. Before the fall, we were connected with God. We were servants of God. After the fall, we became certain uh, servants of Satan. When that thing happened and they listened to the serpent and did what he said to do, they in essence were signing over the deed to their lives to him. Uh, and ever since then, Satan has been controlling people. Uh, Jesus even talked about it. You know, people say, well, you know, God, everyone, we're all children of God. Well, in a sense we are because God created us. But Jesus actually said, people, we're, we're children of the devil. He says, we're our, our father of the devil. Until we come to faith and surrender our life to God, we belong to Satan. Now, Jesus made it possible so we could be purchased back to God and then connect now again with God. That's the difference between walking in faith with Jesus and not walking in faith with Jesus. Now, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of people who don't walk in faith with Jesus would take umbrage and say, well, I'm, I don't serve Satan. But the reality is they do. They're influenced by him to a great degree. That's why they filled with bitterness and anger and lust and do things they shouldn't do and don't do things that they should. And Satan is going around and he just manipulates mankind and gets us to do all kinds of things. You know, yelling and screaming at each other, breaking up relationships. I mean, it's nasty. And in the worst case, he inspires people to kill, to maim, to steal, to rape, start wars. People often say, well, if there's a God, how come there's so much bad in the world? Well... <laughs> It's because of the lack of God. God isn't doing all that stuff. We, as a, as a race, when we rebelled against God, we aligned ourselves with Satan, and now he influences. The reason we see all this crazy and icky and hate and all this nastiness is not because a doubt of, of God. It's because of aligning with the satanic force that creates all this irrational hatred and irrational behavior that we have. Why do people do the things they do? It's because they are more influenced by the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of light. Now, Jesus made it possible that through his sacrifice on the cross, we could now align with the kingdom of light and walk in his spirit and, and we live changed lives. That's what we celebrate when we gather together in church and worship God. This, we're celebrating this freedom that we now have. But before that, man, you think you can, you're, you're in control of your own destiny? No, you're not. 
anybody listening to me right now who's never truly surrendered their life to Jesus, they go, well, I don't want to serve you. I want to, I want to do my own thing. I want to be free. I want to make my own decisions. You're delusional. You're not making any decisions. All you're doing is being influenced by the kingdom of darkness, and that's why your life gets so messed up, or why there's such emptiness, and why things fall apart in your life, because nobody is free of serving either God or Satan. Bob Dylan said it best in his song when he's saying, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We all are in this situation. Now, what we learn from uh, the situation is that Jesus goes to the realm of the dead. Okay, what happens down there? Now, to really kind of understand it, we need to look at the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus gave us kind of a picture of what was happening uh, back then. And he tells a story about this rich man and this poor guy named Lazarus. It is Luke 16, verse 19. Let me read this to you. He says, there was a rich man who was dressed, this is Jesus telling, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus. He was covered with sores. He longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. He was so hungry. Even the dogs came and licked this poor guy's sores. Of course, the rich guy ignored him and didn't live righteously. And uh, Verse 22 says, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. But he in Hades, where he was in torment, looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. We get a picture now of what it was like. Remember, when mankind rebelled against God, our allegiance changed. And now Satan had control. So when people died before Jesus uh, was resurrected, they went to a place of comfort uh, where Abraham and all these people were, and all the wicked people went to Hades. But the point is that even the good people, they still weren't in heaven. They weren't with God. They were in a place of rest and they weren't being tormented and stuff like that. But they were still, in essence, held captive because of what uh, happened when we rebelled against God and Satan had the key to death itself. Well, Jesus goes down. Of course, Satan's thrilled. He crucified Jesus. He thinks this is great until Jesus goes down there. And apparently there's some serious butt kicking on going on. He takes away the keys of hell and death from Satan. And the Bible says he takes those who are there led captive into heaven. Not the people who are in Hades, though they're all still there. But the people, now when we die, we go to be with the Lord. We read about this in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 where Paul says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This is what was happening when Jesus descended to the dead. And why he says in Revelations, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death in Hades. And that's why Jesus was able to proclaim, as he said in John, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Jesus is the only one who can set us free from the power of sin, from the power of darkness, from the power of death itself. So that now, when we die in faith, we're taken, the Bible says, to be in the presence of God uh, in heaven and not stuck someplace else because Jesus now has totally conquered death. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He's the Christ, God himself in the flesh. And that's what we're talking about when it says that he descended into heaven. I mean, descended into to the dead. And then the next phrase says, and on the third day he rose again. Now this is the part that sets Christianity totally apart from everything else. Up to this point, we're talking about Jesus. He's born of Mary. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate, crucified dead and buried. Uh, then he descended to the dead. Okay, but the thing that really sets Christianity apart from all of this is that on the third day, he rose again. Let me explain to you a little bit about the third day deal. Because we tend to think in uh, scientific, literal terms, 24-hour days. If you do the math, Jesus died on Friday. So then Saturday, Sunday, Monday is when Jesus, from that look, should have been resurrected uh, from the dead. But we know he's resurrected on Sunday. But it says the third day. Sometimes this confuses people. This is what it means. In, in Jewish teaching, in the Old Testament, when Jesus died on Friday, that was the first day. Saturday was the Sabbath, which was the second day. On Sunday, he raised on the third day. This is now the third day of these events. Uh, that's what it means by the third day. They weren't talking about three 24-hour periods. Uh, Jesus was actually uh, dead uh, less than that. Um, but on that third day, he rose again. Now, every other religious teacher and leader in the world is buried somewhere. And you can go see their tombs. <laughs> but those who are followers of Christ, you can go and you can't find... They, they got a place where they think where his tomb was, but it's empty. There is no place where he's buried where we remember... Uh, and, and go re re remember the remains of Jesus. Jesus Christ, on that third day, rose again, which set everything apart, set the world on its head. Why? Because he was God. God in the flesh. He's not going to stay dead. He went down. He took the keys of hell and death from Satan, led these people into heaven, comes back, and now he's raised physically from the dead. And everybody, all his disciples, hundreds of people actually, saw him and interacted with him before he was taken into heaven. Uh, really, that's the thing. Uh, the most important event on the Christian calendar is Easter. That's why it's a big deal to us. Uh, we make a kind of a big deal out of Christmas um, uh, because we like to celebrate the fact that he came in the first place. But what really sets everything apart was the fact that he rose again. Uh, the life of Jesus is amazing. You know, actually, if you think about it, all religious leaders, you know... Um, even Moses and other leaders like Mohammed or Buddha, all these guys, you know what they did? They spent their entire lives on this earth. Uh, they got all these followers after them. They wrote all these books and instructions. And then after a whole lifetime, that's how they got their movement or religion started. Think about what Jesus did. Three years. His ministry was for only three years. And he never wrote anything. He didn't write down the rules. He didn't make the gospel. All of this was from people who, would, and he did this intentionally because he knew that if he praised himself, there was no credit in that. 
uh, the fact that others saw and testified to who he was and saw him raised from the dead and all this stuff is what sets Christianity totally apart. That Jesus could transform the world in which we live in three years of ministry and never having written a single thing down is absolutely incredible. When we follow Jesus, there's no one else like him. There's nothing else like him because he was God literally in the flesh that came to live among us. Okay? So, on the third day he rose again and then the uh, statement that he ascended into heaven. This is what we believe. We read about this in Acts, the first chapter. Jesus is talking to his disciples and then in verse 9 it says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So they're watching him as he ascends into heaven. And they're like, I mean, holy cow, who sees that every day? And here's this funny part. It says, they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, angels obviously, and the angels asked them this question, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? <laughs> I would go, uh... Because we don't see this every day. <laughs> I mean, to an angel, what's the big deal? But to us, wow, that was amazing. So they all witnessed this as the fight after spending all this time with Jesus, after he rose from the dead, talking with him, touching him, uh, seeing him, he'd appear, disappear, and now he's uh, ascended up into heaven. And uh, they witnessed this. And now uh, the final phrase is that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said this. He says, from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Stephen, the first uh, uh, martyr who was a uh, Christian martyr, killed for his faith, stoned to death. Um, while they were stoning him, the Bible says in Acts the 7th chapter, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. See, from now on, Jesus will forever be worshipped along with the Father. Why? Because he is one with the Father. So how is that possible? I'm telling you, ice, water, steam. It's, it's, it's part of this Trinity thing where now, uh, uh, after all this, we will for out eternity be worshipping God and part of God uh, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we will be celebrating throughout eternity and we read about this in Revelation, the fifth chapter, uh, John looking at the throne of God in heaven. He says, when I looked, uh, I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. With a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Who was this lamb that was slain? It was Jesus. Jesus was the lamb that was slain for all of us. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he made it possible to fix what was wrong between us and God. We are now able to switch allegiances, no longer influenced by this dark side that seems to torment mankind. And now we can align ourselves with the light of God and serve together as children of the light. It is a life transformative thing that happens. And those of you, uh, most of you listening right now in our church, obviously have experienced this. If you haven't experienced this, uh, our campus pastors are coming in just a minute and we're going to take communion together. 
And when we take communion, what we're doing is we are remembering, we are remembering that Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus said, my body is broken and my blood was shed for the remissions of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. This is why we do this. And if you have never truly encountered Jesus Christ, if you will reach out to him, we're going to pray together in just a minute uh, when we take communion. Uh, reach out and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. When he does that, this amazing transformation happens. We are now transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because now he holds the key to everything in the universe. That's what he did when he died upon that cross and on that third day rose again and now seated uh, in heaven with the Father. We can now have communication and fellowship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. He died for you and he died for me so that all of our sins, all of our wrong could be forgiven and that we could now switch these allegiances. Go back in a sense. When you ask Jesus Christ in your life, it's like we're being transferred back to the Garden of Eden. There's this wonderful communication. Obviously, we're not in the Garden of Eden. We're still stuck in Wisconsin or wherever the heck we are uh, in the flesh. But in our spirit, we get back to that state that Adam and Eve had in the beginning where they could commune with God and talk with God and fellowship with God. That's what makes this all so incredible. And you can pray and trust God and he'll answer your prayers and turn your situations around. This is what we celebrate continually as people of faith. This is what we profess in the Apostles' Creed because this is what we believe. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful grace that is made possible through the cross. And this is how we can get to know you, God, is because of what Jesus did on that cross and then raised again on the third day. Father, we thank you that we can switch our allegiances from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we celebrate your goodness today because of what you have done for us and what you continue to do now that we are children, true children of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, God bless you guys. We're going to be running to get on a plane, flying back to Wisconsin. We'll be back home with you uh, this afternoon. God bless you guys. Have a great day.